Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, welcome to the True Wealth Show, gang. We are stoked to have you here. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week. And you know what, Matt? They What's tried that? they tried to get sneaky on me. They didn't have the volume sliders up on the board. Uh-oh. I know it would have been like a Oh, why is there no sound on the True Wealth Show? But nope, we saw past their uh, trick and went straight to the treat. Welcome to the show. I'm glad I'm not in your seat. I would have missed it. And then like five minutes later, someone would come running in like, dude, no one can hear you. No, you totally catch on. And it's it's uh, there's there's lots of buttons and you only push like three of them. I've got the the easy job. I just sit here and talk and hang out. Right. It's good stuff. Well, you know what? I've I got to say, we've got funny stuff to talk about today, uh, not the least of which is, uh, so this is a fun one on air, right? Like, how long am I going to keep being wrong about Tesla? Until you're not. <laughs> <laughs> how about That's, that? I mean, this, uh, so I don't really feel bad about this, by the way. Um, we've had clients that have said, like, well, why don't we own Tesla? And my answer, and, and so this Give me, let me frame this up just for a second, right? This is one of those where, like the old Norelco commercials, I liked it so much I bought the company, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have an investment firm, right? So actual investment advisors on air here. Why don't you hear that often? Well, because there's a lot of rules and regulations about what you can and can't say on the radio. And so it nerve wracks attorneys. And they're like, we can't let you just speak live. You'll say something dumb. To which I would say, that's highly probable. Especially but, when I'm on the radio. But will we say something litigious? Now that's the catchy one, right? Ah. So uh, anyway, so I, I just want to remind everybody listening that when we talk about stuff, I'm not talking about this for the sake of it being investment advice. We're talking about we're learning together and so forth. If you want investment advice, that's when you call the office. Now, that's because we do have a financial planning firm. We don't try to pitch it on the radio much. Mm-hmm. But believe it or not, that's not our our thing is if you need help and you're you're searching for somebody, if you've got a, a great relationship in your life with somebody who's qualified, that's fantastic. If you don't, then yeah, reach out to us. Then we'll, you know, we're delighted to see if it's a good fit. But here's what I'm really getting to is we didn't buy Tesla as an investment in any of the strategies that we built. Right. And that's fair. Yeah, we, we manage money. And, and and the question is why? And I've come on the show and I've talked about it before. It's just it's in the it's in the news. Right. Elon Musk, as the majority shareholder and this, I believe, still CEO of Tesla, mm-hmm. is like what you know, what he reminds me of what Steve Jobs. Oh, absolutely. Right. There's I so mean, many. It's, it's, there's it's it's the, not in that. Uh, not the personality or the politics or anything else, because they're it's actually quite like, different. I'm oh, talking about the Steve aura, Jobs release. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, Steve Jobs was this celebrity CEO. He was the guy that started the jeans and black turtleneck thing, right? Uh, I mean, like I swear that he's his showing up at an Apple conference sold Gap clothing. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, and so it was this huge deal back in the. Uh, 2000s, right? That the first decade of the the new millennium, it was like all Apple, and Apple's still done great. But since he passed away, there was all these questions about well, what happens next? Now, 
I am not advocating for anything bad to happen to Elon Musk, but I just there's this celebrity aura that comes with Elon. Oh, right? for sure. And he passed Jeff Bezos when Tesla has been on this big rally the last few weeks, and he became the world's richest man. I mean, look at what Elon Musk was able to do to like Dogecoin and Bitcoin with just a tweet. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, He's that guy can tweet influence. something, and then millions of dollars are moved around just off of a little oh, Possibly tweet. billions. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. So, this incredible influence... Icon. And um, I, what I appreciate is he's got this sort of, I call it charming snark, right? Because oh, yeah. he literally just sort of thumbs his nose or, or flips the proverbial bird, frankly, to a lot of the institutional elements that are just absurd. Mm -hmm. you know, he will just point stuff out. It's like, well, that's just stupid. You know, California is going to shut down and we can't build our cars, but they're going to complain that we can't deliver the cars. Like, I'm done dealing with you. Yeah, I'll we're going to Texas. to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we're done here. Did you see his Saturday Night Live appearance? Yes. <laughs> I, he's a terrible actor, but he's still charming because yeah, of it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, uh, the, the thing about Tesla is it's really hard for me to call it an investment. Yeah. Okay? It's like it's hard for me to call Bitcoin an investment, but... It doesn't mean it, it's not legitimized or mm -hmm. becoming more legitimate. It's one of these things where it's new frontier stuff and it's more of a popularity contest, as best I can tell, than it is something that makes financial sense. I mean, do you want to jump into talking about the P.E. ratio with well, Tesla yes. at all? I mean, I mean, I think it's worth talking so about. So here, you tap dance. I'm going to bring it up live. I want to I want to pull up the P.E. ratio real quick for Tesla. So just hang on a sec. We actually sure. have the technology. And the great thing is you can look this up, too. It's available all over. I'm going to go to Yahoo Finance. Right? Yep. And I'm just the ticker symbol is TSLA. Uh, Tesla, by the way, had a bummer day today. It was down a little over 3%. But right now, if you look at the P.E. ratio, take a guess at where it is, Matt. I'm going to go just 330. Okay, 382.76. Oh, now, what does this mean for our listeners? Like, What does the P.E. ratio just generically tell us? Like really the, high level. The price to earn a dollar, I guess. Right. Yeah, the it's... price of the stock to the earnings so what is the value of the stock compared to a dollar of earnings right from the company yeah so what this tells me as an investor is what i need to pay over 382 dollars to, to get earn. a dollar of earnings from tesla mm -hmm. now let's let's do uh, yeah we need to put that in comparison to yeah, another so what company else would you like to compare it to let's start with ford right there's a okay ford's another vehicle company yeah okay and the ford pe ratio is 25 0.26. That is just shocking. It's when you, shocking, right? I mean, when so, you, so in Tesla the, is what? That's uh, what I'm trying to do math in my head here. It looks like eight, like eleven times more. Is that? No, it's it's worse. It's, than oh, that. it's more so than that. Yeah, twelve, almost fifteen times higher multiple than Ford. Yeah. So you're paying fifteen. 100% more for a dollar of earnings from Tesla than from Ford. Yeah, that's... Now, people will say, yeah, that's not a fair comparison because Apple... I'm sorry, because... Yeah, now I just... All right, Easter egg. Right? Apple. Because, yeah, let's, what's Apple? Well, so Ford 
is a car company. People, well, Tesla's not a car company. Tesla's a technology company. So sure, compare it to the, the case. Let's yeah. look at Apple, right? Yeah, look at them. Apple. We talked about Steve Jobs. Well, let me guess. Fifteen. Twenty-six point seven four. Okay, so really so close to Ford. To Ford. Yeah. So you're going, well, is it a car company or a tech company? They go, I don't know what it is, but I know that the valuation is outlandishly high by traditional measures. So here's what you have to think about. Like, either Tesla is priced in such a strange way that we have to be able to say that Tesla needs it, it, it can grow dramatically. Like Tesla sure. can grow by 15 times its current size. And it definitely could. But. And it could, but let's consider what that means. I mean, I don't, how many cars does Tesla sell you? Oh, I mean, it's. I, can it's, I look this up live too? I don't I'm going to ask Google, how many cars does Tesla sell? Yeah, in a year. And in 2017. It's going to be a fraction of what? It's about 500,000 cars in 2020. And they've okay. been growing up. So let's say that they can do a million cars. Sure, they okay? double. So that means that they can go to. 15 they'd have to go to 15 million cars mm -hmm. right that doesn't sound like that much but now let's say same question how many cars does ford sell a year oh man i'm interested now oh so this one we're not seeing years now tesla showed me deliveries for the year ford shows me deliveries for the month okay so, so let's just December, times it by 12 just to make it rough so uh, how many cars? Is, so Ford sold 4.2 million vehicles in 2020. Oh, wow. 4.2 million to Tesla's in 2020. Tesla sold, what did I tell you? Uh, 500,000, right? 500,000. So, so Ford five... sold eight times more cars, but they're valued at 15 times less. Yeah, go figure that one. And, and I'm, we're not getting into like the profits and revenue. Because right. Ford, if I go down and look at their total quarterly revenue here, Let's see if I can get a number for us. Uh, they look like their revenue was, that's tricky. What do we got? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, that's by share. I wanted to look for total annual revenue. Okay, so 2020 so far, revenue was 127 billion, earnings of 1.2 billion. Uh, that's Ford. Tesla, this will be a fun one. Tesla so far this year revenue thirty one point five billion earnings seven hundred twenty one million. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. So I mean the numbers just twenty seven billion for Ford. Tesla's revenue is thirty one billion. So I'm going like how? Yeah, the stars just don't line up how? here to justify and, and this. And here's the fun one: Apple. How much does Apple earn? Oh man. Revenue. Three hundred and sixty-five billion Ooh. in twenty twenty-one so far. Earnings ninety-four billion. Yeah. Versus Tesla, what thirty something, thirty-one billion in revenue I mean, and seven hundred uh, something million in like ten in times less. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I tell people I can't rationalize it as an investment. So can you name any it? other company right now that has, and I, this is a hard oh. question, but I mean, is there any other company that has a PE ratio that's that high? You know, it's a that fabulous you question. Of, like a really, really popular but company. You, I, so here's what I'm going to do. 
Or are you going to send him to break? I'm going to totally send him to uh, break. I, you had that. that look in your eye yes. like, now I want to know. make the break happen. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about it. And I promise we won't stay buried in, like, boring numbers. There's somewhere we're going with this. But we got to get through this evil corporate profit break first. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. And if you have missed anything up to this point, well, you're going to have to catch the podcast. So grab it tomorrow. It'll be posted at littlejohnfs.com and you can get caught up. Uh, I've been teasing a little bit, but not teasing that, you know, I, I keep, continue to scratch my head on Tesla. The price continues to go higher. It's trading at $1,172 and the uh, PE ratio is 382 and if I look back on this thing, even just this year, uh, at the beginning of the year, it was trading at $408. Uh, it got as high as $800, and I thought it was crazy back in January. And then it fell down to $500, and I thought, that's really something. And it's gone right back up through the roof again. So what does it really tell us? And uh, you know, what have we learned about Tesla? And Matt, you asked, like, what does this tell me about other stocks? Do other stocks have crazy uh pe ratios like this for example yeah and i was just sitting here on my phone during the break trying to find like companies that might have a higher pe ratio in the first article i brought up i wasn't really seeing any major companies that i recognize on that list it's true i mean even like amazon 64 yeah i'm not finding anything right? here uh here's a fun google test to say you know what company has the highest P.E. ratio? Yeah, I mean... Uh, there's a few out there that are pretty high. Um, let's see. They're all overseas. I think Zoom actually has a pretty high P.E. ratio. Yeah. So Zoom's Zoom, pretty, Zoom's good. Yeah. Zoom has a P.E. ratio of 1,600. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, that's just nuts, yeah. right? Zillow, there was another one. It's got a P.E. ratio of 145. Yeah. So, so they they exist, really but they're exist. rare. But but the idea is that if a company has a PE ratio like that, you know what has to happen? The price has to escalate has, radically in yep. order for it to come. So so or rather the the profits have to escalate radically to grow into that number for it to make sense as a parity investment to something else. So it's implying the company has tremendous profit growth and it's pricing it in early. Right. right, and Investors I think that makes a little of bit trend. of sense with Zoom. Like they come out during the middle of the pandemic with this product that revolutionizes how we communicate. Right, like well, you know, I and I my personal take on Zoom here, just like lazy way to but frame it is, and I think I know where you're going with this. You're going to say Google has. Google, like, I mean, Google has a product that does what Zoom does. So, so it, by the way, which Zoom did you look at? Because the PE ratio I'm seeing for Zoom is 84. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Maybe so this there's Zoom though. communications on um, the NASDAQ, and then there's another Zoom product out there. So just be aware hmm. of which Zoom you're looking at. Yeah. So nevertheless, uh, 84 is still a high multiple, but wow, not Tesla high. Here's yeah. another fun one that uh, has been a... How about uh, oh, how about AMC? You remember that one, or GameStop? Let's look at those two. AMC has no PE ratio, and you know why that is? 
because they're losing money. Yeah. No revenue. Right. And so there actually is no revenue in that when you're betting the farm that it's going to somehow make money down. the Yeah. Road. I mean, I thought for a moment there they were right on the verge of closing up and filing bankruptcy and being done. Yes, they were. And I don't know. I mean, has something changed? I know oh. they got some funding. And look, GameStop also no P.E. ratio. Really? Yep. Really. It's just complete meme. Yeah, that is it's a, just a complete that's meme an example stock. of now. Here's the here's the issue that people need to understand. There's a difference between investing and speculating and gambling, right? And or gambling, and then there's also, I'll call them structural exploits. Sure. Okay. So a structural exploit is, or an, sometimes we'll. You know, it's not an arbitrage, but that's another example. Like if I could borrow money at one rate and reinvest it at a higher rate and immediately make the difference between the two, that spread is my arbitrage, right? That's the hmm. difference. Uh, but a structural issue, and that we talked about with GameStop, structural issue had to do with the fact that just the number of shorts on it. You know, yeah, there were there were like when you short more shares than exist. Right. Right. Or if you short so many shares and then you have a group of people that refuse to sell. So they won't make the shares available for yeah. the market makers to, then, to work with. Yeah, it it creates a supply demand imbalance, and if in this case the supply of stock is way too low for the demand of contractual obligations to buy it, the price goes way up. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened: is people got caught with the balance sheet, not the balance sheet, I should say, the the order book, right? The trading flow of the market makers. Too many people had written options contracts and obligated the stock when they didn't have the stock to back it up. And so mm -hmm. that created this supply this demand frenzy. gap. Yeah. And somebody recognized it and exploited it. And then it also, the public got in on it. And then uh, the apes or gorillas uh, got in on it too. That was the, the retail market, mm -hmm. like went nuts. So anyway, it's all relevant here. Because when I laugh about Tesla, I mean, I'm, I'm going, yeah, I, I can't make sense of the, the P.E. ratio that high, but who cares, right? This is an example of like the market comes up with these different ways to rationalize the price of something, but all that's all it is. It's rationalization, right? Yeah. And guess, guess what? Market participants didn't care. They bid it up anyway. Like apparently people don't care that Tesla's got astronomical P.E. ratios. Uh, because we, we've reached, like, I've, you've heard me say this before. Like, what's the market theory behind Tesla right now? I don't remember your. It's, uh, what's well, your phrase yeah. here? What's it's your phrase? The bigger fool theory. That's right. That's right? right. What's what's the bigger fool? Yeah, that's right. And it just means that I may be the fool to buy it, but there's a bigger fool that will buy it for me for more later. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a dangerous game to play because have, have you seen? You know, I mean, history has a tendency to repeat itself. Have you seen this before? Oh, buddy, I'm guessing you've seen it many times. I've seen it before. Here's the thing: I'm now dating myself enough that when I first started in you, the industry, and I and this was not a second career for me. This is a right out of school career. Uh huh. But I remember the 1990s, mm -hmm. and I remember. The internet the, craze, the internet and yeah. dot com scenario where there was a time when people said it was called the new economy, and companies, which it kind of was, but well, I mean, it was certainly a new technology. But what people said was the old rules don't apply. Companies don't have to make money; they have to get more users. 
that the it, that was virtual real estate. And that eventually eyeballs. the money would follow the user count. Yeah, and I mean that turns out to be true for some of the modern day big tech, but it was not true ultimately during the dot com era. It was right. sort of smoke and mirrors, if you will, and so. When companies started showing how much revenue they had relative to their customers, eventually investors figured out the emperor had no clothes, and we had this massive market correction in 2000 and 2002. What was the correction like? Uh, the NASDAQ fell over 80%. Can you imagine? Uh, I, I don't have like, to imagine. Yeah. I was there. Ugh. Right? And, That's brutal. And the S&P 500 fell something like close to 50%. I mean, it was... It was a really significant beatdown, and it and you know the the beatings continued for over a year, and then the market sort of bottomed out, and around around 2003 it got some traction and started recovering, and then we had a big run up, and where money moved was out of the market and into real estate, and that drove the next real estate bubble that really jammed things up in 2008. Of all the investments that just like haven't made sense to you, like Tesla doesn't make sense, right? Like, right. It, would you say that Tesla is the one that's lasted the longest at the elevated PE ratio that you've seen? Like, have you seen companies last longer at that level? Well, I mean, Amazon. Yeah. I mean, Amazon's done really, really remarkable things and grown and grown and grown, and for the longest time had no earnings. Right. And I mean, it's totally relevant. It's top five in the planet for market cap, and uh, it's huge. Mm -hmm. And it's everywhere, right? Yeah. So I would say that Amazon deserves to be in that conversation. But let me be clear: I'm not really trashing Tesla. What yeah. I'm, what I'm what I'm using is this is an illustration of how all of the an analysis in the world doesn't mean that something will behave the way the numbers indicate it should behave. Sure. Right? When when I say well, we couldn't make sense of the risk and reward associated with that position. That's what I mean. It's like, well, I looked at how the, all the numbers play out, and you know, I don't know how to make the risk or reward make sense. And our investors don't hire us just to make maximum profit and risks be damned. Exactly. That's not what they do. So we had to look at the risk and reward and what made sense. And so I'll tell you, I mean, I think the cars are awesome. Oh, yeah. right? I mean, I don't know about the quality control and so forth, but electric vehicles, they're, they're not, that's not a purist vehicle. I get it. Mm -hmm. Like internal combustion, if you really like the sound and the feel and this, I mean, there's, there are cars that drive better than Tesla. Not a lot of them faster, but they're better driver experience. Sure. But I like gadgets and I think it's awesome to drive like a cell phone. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. really cool with all the bells and whistles that it has. I think like what Ford has going though. Like I think they're catching up to Tesla like oh, really quickly. They're all over the place. Uh, you know, we have a whole different set of problems to really look at. Mm -hmm. And so Tesla was consider it like the tip of the spear sure. for creating a new marketplace. And I my hat goes off to Elon Musk for taking massive risks. And and it's it goes off to Elon because he's he gets a lot of credit. I mean, the engineers and all the people that make it happen shouldn't mm -hmm. be we shouldn't dismiss the fact that the people underneath this project have been extraordinary, but and the government's paid a lot to make it happen. I mean, like it's it's all and over the place. But if you consider, like, dude ushered in a new auto manufacturer, and that's so hard to do. We've Think seen about so how much many people try that takes. Yeah, like it's just when have you seen that happen? It and and so the private sector actually found a market opportunity 
made that niche into a reality now. And my sense is that even if Tesla stock gets beat up bad, right? Mm -hmm. It's sticking around at this oh, point. Oh, of course. Like, like we are culturally invested in Tesla. And yeah. then that's kind of my issue with, so the weird, weird transition, it's kind of the issue with Bitcoin as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like Bitcoin is what people hear about, but they don't talk about the engineers behind the scenes, just like Tesla, right? Bitcoin in and of itself isn't the magic. It's the blockchain. It's yeah, the blockchain, the technology, some mm -hmm. of the things that are going on. And that technology is being explored and vetted and parts that are being validated or invalidated in real time as we watch. So fortunes are won and lost, and much of it is completely speculative. But my sense is that there is an actual legitimized place for blockchain technology in what we do. And make no mistake, people, we are in a world where technology is taking a larger and larger percentage of the market share of our economy and yeah. blockchain. I, like I said, it may not be I, Bitcoin itself, but blockchain is relevant. I've seen so many new IPOs popping up in the last couple months, and it's a lot of it's blockchain technology and blockchain startups. They're mining, they're building warehouses to mine. I mean, it's a real, it's a real thing. It's it's a real thing. Uh, we are learning more about it so that we can have a more meaningful discussion on this program. Uh, I, this has become an area of study that I am personally learning about not because i'm trying to rush off and advocate for it but because i would like to better understand what's going on mm -hmm. uh, i think there are some legitimate markets there i think there are some gray markets i think there are some black markets oh yeah and and so that is the issue is like what's legitimate and what's illegitimate to me it matters but not as much as taking our next super important profit. Oh, David. <laughs> we could just we could go all day, couldn't we? Oh, there's so much more to discuss. We're going to come back and here's what I want to talk about when we come back. You know what? We got all these billionaires out there and uh, people are talking about how maybe they need to pay their fair share. We need to explore that, but we got to take a break first. Okay. Stick around, we'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Uh, we have, we're covering turf today, right? So check out the podcast to get caught up. If you're just joining us, it's at littlejohnfs.com. And Matt, uh, you were talking a little bit about crypto. Yeah. Uh, you know, like like Tesla's going to the moon. Crypto's like a bunch of them are way up. You started name dropping new ones. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, how much studying of crypto have you been doing personally? You know, I like to drop in and read on it, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple times a month. I want to try and keep up with it because I feel like it's going to be a pivotal part of yeah. what happens in our future. Well, I so think, when I you think, hear things like Doge or uh, yeah. Shiba Emo or whatever the new yeah. one was, like, so what does that mean to you, first of all? Because well, like, what I'm getting, a, I, I think I'm getting a sense of what's going on under the hood of this crypto craze and starting to understand it more. Even things like the NFT world and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm just kind of curious. Well, you know, you mentioned the NFT thing, and mm -hmm. I was reading up on that, and there are these worlds that are being built. And you can go into this world, and you can buy real estate virtually. It's like, it's not real real estate, but it's an online world where you can own things. People are buying into it, and it makes sense from the standpoint that we've seen, I mean, Pokemon. 
right? For example, mm-hmm. like you get a Pokemon card, and it has this intense value to a lot of people, and they're willing to pay real money for it. I think that when you look at these alternate worlds where people are going in and buying stuff with NFTs and cryptocurrency, I think it's going to start to spread out into other areas. And I think that it's going to continue to be popular. And it, But where I really have my focus, and I know I'm kind of all over the place at the moment, where I really have my focus is in the actual technology of what the blockchain allows us to do because it's really a new banking system, right? Because if I make a transaction with a blockchain and a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, that signal gets shot to another country and to someone's computer and then it goes to another computer and it does that like, I don't know, a million times. So it's untraceable and you're outsourcing the banking process itself. And well, you are the bank. That's yeah. the interesting thing about this. Um, here's what I'm understanding about crypto. And, and again, this is the novice. Like there's two amateurs trying to talk about it on air. That's great. Um, the blockchain itself is the ledger that is being right. tracked. Yeah. It is distributed amongst the different computer systems out there. And those are the miners mm-hmm. that are. And that's where we see a lot of tracking the blockchain, right? And so the blockchain is the history of all of the things that have occurred. And so this mining is, as it's occurring, when certain events occur in the mining process, a token is issued mm-hmm. when, a, when, a, when a block is completed on a blockchain. And that token is what you are mining for. And the token is like what the Bitcoin represents, right? That's the token. Yeah. Okay. And so the different things out there, the different types of cryptocurrency are the tokens that are associated with the activity of mining or curating that blockchain. And those are the things that people are using to sort of trade around as virtual currency. The blockchain itself underneath it can do things like record information. And the idea is when a token is produced, it's has sort of an address and a validation on that blockchain of information. And so you can then take that and put it onto your own digital wallet, for example, or physical wallet that then will allow you to link to the blockchain, put it onto your personal device, and now you become the bank and you are essentially holding a vault, a digital vault with the record of your tokens from that blockchain. And when you plug it back in and go, that blockchain will then validate and recognize your token again and allow you to exchange it around. That's a good explanation of how that works. Okay. So that's the, the technology and the question. I mean, that's the banking, quote unquote, part of it. And so anybody can create with the right you know, tools and resources a blockchain technology and, and invent your own, own currency. currency or your, well, your own token. Right. Yeah. And so that's what the NFT that's what market Shiba. is. Non-fungible tokens are if you created original artwork or something and then made a associated token for it through, or associated mark on the blockchain, right? You're validating that it's the one and only thing on the blockchain. Then it, that's, it becomes part of blockchain activity. Well, this is something that people can do to mine with. Mm-hmm. Now, my sense is that the gray and black market occurs in this NFT world. I don't know that yet. 
but from what I am looking at, I'm going, how do you get yeah. some 10 year old that, you know, draws a cartoon stick figure and it sells for $10,000. Right. And, and the answer to me is probably in the form of money laundering. Exactly. Right. But, so that's probably what it's for. It's cause it's, it's essentially untraceable. You can bounce it around between mm -hmm. holders and then uh, that process of integrating into the financial system is moving it around so many times that you lose track of where it came from. And then somebody pulls it out and says, well, it's just this digital token and I exchanged it for dollars. So it's legitimate now. Well, that's what my suspicion of it is. I don't know. And I think part of that, though, is right now, the way things exist, it's really easy to make a knockoff of something, right? Like it's really easy to fake something. But with the NFT, you're getting that that one piece and it can't be replicated because you're the sole owner you know and so it's it's a way to authenticate something oh it, i'm not saying that nft yeah. doesn't have a useful purpose oh yeah it no. does the same way your comment earlier about digital real estate that's literally what facebook's exploring facebook's wanting to change its corporate name the way google changed from google to alphabet mm -hmm. right we still know them as google but their actual legal company name is alphabet and facebook wants to change its name to meta Right. Because they're looking at creating a virtual world. And I find myself thinking about the movie um, Ready Player One, right? And the Oasis, uh -huh. and this digital virtual world that existed. And people played and had currency and everything else associated within that. Yep. And they're kind of saying, well, we're going to create something like that. NFTs would exist in that land. Yes, they would. Right? And It'd see, be, a lot of people doubt thing. it. Like, how oh, this isn't going to catch. Facebook, no, no, it, it, Facebook isn't gearing up for this unless it's going to catch, right? Like, you're not going to rebrand everything oh, unless you know. Oh, it could be an epic fail. Because here's the See, thing I don't that we think have to be aware can. of, right? Facebook may be right, but I'm just telling you now, and you can say that I am, like, old and stodgy and out of touch or whatever you want, that there are unintended consequences to baking more screen time in to our day. Oh, just, I mean, just the, yeah. The, that I don't believe that our brains and our biology were wired for this. And so we may be rewiring and doing things, but we also may be damaging things in ways that we don't yet understand. Oh, I 100% agree right? with that. So this I isn't a good thing. How, I don't think it's yeah, a good thing, but it's happening. Living in virtual reality after a while, it's like that, it, it, it's going to cause some parts of your brain to grow and other parts not to. And, mm -hmm. and, the, and your brain's an electrochemical machine. And you know what? You monkey with the wiring. You don't necessarily know what the uh, unintended byproduct is of that rewiring. Yeah. So that's my issue is like, careful what you wish for. Yeah. Right? So, but anyway, we digress. Um, one thing we do know is that this is sort of a billion dollar esque idea, at least. At least. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, meta, like, virtual reality is already making billions if you start to look at the size of the market. But, when you have trillion dollar companies competing for it, right? Mm -hmm. Amazon's going after it, Facebook's going after it. I'm pretty sure like Nintendo's been going after. It. I mean like all these gamers, they've been creating 3D worlds for a long time now. So creating the the virtual reality space, it's here, it's happening, and there's massive massive market applications. And oh, here's here's sure. another one. If you haven't heard this one, pay attention. I want to see if you've heard about this, Matt. Augmented reality yeah okay so augmented reality is like what google glass was attempting to do originally you you put on a pair of glasses and when you look through them what you see is it'd be like virtual 
billboards, for example. Mm -hmm. You could walk by a store, and if you take the glasses off, it's just a storefront. You put the glasses on, and there's a sign hanging in the window that tells you what the daily special is. And it's customized for you based on your location and your preferences. And I noticed today when I was on, I wanted to see what the whole meta transition looks like for Facebook. And that's one of the things that they're actually pushing. Um, one of the top five things on that front page of their their feed is the augmented reality. Right. With and the, we've seen the movies kind of attempt this sort of stuff. Um, I'll even fess up to at one point. It's been about five years ago. I played around with the idea of developing some software. It was intended to encourage people to save, and it was also intended to encourage uh, local companies to introduce. I'm sharing it. This is like the idea, right? Because I just don't think I'm going to get to it. So if I th show it in the public domain, if you borrow this one, just like, I don't know, give me credit somehow. Yeah, Elon Musk heard his name too many times, okay. and so he's like tuned in. Now he's going to take your idea, Well, David. and if he does, we'll just say, well, at least we recorded it, right? So yeah. we can prove it. But the concept was that local, like based on your, your augmented reality, it wasn't like looking through glasses, though. It was just on your phone. You could hold it up, and whatever you saw through the camera, it would then put a, an augmented reality on your phone screen. But if you were in a local area, local vendors, like local loyalty programs, let's say, I'm just going to fictionally say, like, sub sandwich joint says <laughs> that um, they have a special, and they know that you're within five miles of them right now because of your geolocation, which they know this stuff. They do, right? Mm -hmm. And you get an, a notification that there's a uh, flash sale on your favorite sub sandwich. And so the question is, it's around lunchtime, and they just said, well, you know what, we'll give you a, th this special sale on it if you come by. And it may incentivize you to come in at that point because you, you've got the flash sale, but if you're walking by, other vendors would know, and they may, it's basically flash sales based on your geolocation. That is an amazing marketing ploy. So it, it was, but it was, the, the whole point is to have your, Local vendors subscribe to the system. Yeah, doesn't cost you the end user anything. Um, right, the vendor makes up for it because they're getting a sale. It may eat up their margin a little bit, but they're increasing their sales volume by mm -hmm. doing this. And so it's just a subscription-based service to do real-time geolocation ads. And the thing is, you can you can be selective on what you offer. Your best customers can get a different offer than your not best customer. Right. If they're not a customer at all, you may try to get them in with an initial offer. But somebody that you get all the time, the idea was that it would That would really, really help the brick and mortar too. Yeah, it was a really granular way to help brick and mortar to use technology to more directly target customers. So that was the idea. You've now heard it on air because uh, there's only like a million other ideas that I don't have time to get to. So if somebody wants to learn more about how much work we did, we had a name for it, we had a UI, we had other stuff that was interesting, you can contact me later at info at littlejohnfs.com. Wink, wink. Hey, we've got enough listeners where you might get an email, David. You never know. You never yeah. know. Uh, the, the idea is there's no shortage, but uh, you know what there is a shortage of? Time. Time. we got to take our last break, so stick around. We'll be right back. I promise we're going to talk about how we're going to tax those billionaires. We will when we come back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang. Home stretch of the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon.
Love it. Hey, Matt, um, I don't know if you've heard lately, but uh, there is this push and it's kind of gotten beaten down lately. But uh, last week I was hearing a lot of this. The idea that there should be a that, that billionaires need to pay their fair share of taxes. That's how we're going to balance the budget. You hear yeah, anything about yeah. this? Dude, my Facebook feed gets hit with that a lot from people who are like, ah, I can't afford a house, and it's all because billionaires don't pay their taxes. I right? see that all the time. Right. So here's what was proposed, and this one, last week I had a great guest on. If you didn't, uh, you should catch last week's podcast. Uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin joined me and talked about sort of the, the morality system that underpins where people, why people believe, you know, one economic system over another. It was fascinating to listen to him. I'll have to go back and catch that one. I was out of cell phone range. But uh, what's this, the idea with billionaires is that uh, because they are billionaires, they should pay a tax. And what's floated is a tax on unrealized capital gains. Now, that people, that sounds terrible. It, in my opinion, that's going to force that people be catastrophic. To, yeah, that would force people to liquidate when they're not in a position to liquidate, causing more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, no. I think it would be catastrophic. Let's use our friend Elon as an example. Elon owns about twenty five percent of Tesla. I'm rounding a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I think he's like twenty four, but let's say he owns twenty five percent of Tesla stock. Tesla stock this year goes from four hundred dollars a share to almost twelve hundred dollars a share. And so his net worth starts at his, his 20, let's say Tesla's worth at the beginning of the year, $800 million. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, yeah, $800 million. So it's almost a billion dollars. So then it's three he times owns, higher. So he's got $200 million net worth at the time. And then Tesla's price, uh, and it's probably, it was probably higher than that, but, but I want the math to work, right? So essentially, Tesla goes up to its current price. And it goes from being an $800 million company to a $2 trillion company. Mm-hmm. And now Elon has goes from being worth you know, $200 million to, uh, I mean, he's, he's now like, uh, what's, well, I'm sorry, I know it wasn't millions. It was, let me rephrase all of this so it makes sense now. An $800 billion Tesla grows to $2 trillion, And Elon's 25% goes from... 200 billion to like 500 billion because of the growth, mm-hmm. right? So people are there's like a three billion dollar unrealized gain there. Well, no, there's a hundreds of billions dollars more, right? He goes from 200, 300. Oh, 300. Billion. I thought you said three. It's, it's, he's, he's worth something like, you know, almost 300 billion. Oh, okay. is his, is his actual net worth. Uh, and people are like, he can afford it. He should pay more taxes. And I would say, but careful, because let me ask you the question a different way. You own a primary residence. It's your house, and there's no other houses in the whole area that you can buy. So if you sell your house, you have to move somewhere else and be homeless. Okay, let's just start with that as our our basic operating premise. So if you sell your house, you will be homeless. Now, it's discovered that underneath your house is a rare uh, find of whatever precious resource that we want to think of. We could call it oil, but let's not say that. I mean, let's say that we actually find uh, blocks of gold. <laughs> all right, yeah, blocks of gold. Okay. 
But you can't get the gold because it's under your house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your house goes from being a normal house to being worth billions of dollars. And now somebody says, well, now you have to pay taxes on that. And she said, but I can't get it and I can't sell my house, right? In fact, the only thing I really can do to access that gold is I can go to a bank and say, will you give me a loan and I'll pledge my house as collateral. So I'll use a home equity line. And you know that there's a bunch of gold under there, so if I don't pay you back, you can take my house and get the gold. Mm -hmm. And the bank is going to say what to you? Yes. Yeah, like, okay, okay sure. because well, so we if do you this. default, we're going to be yeah, rich. Yeah, as long as you pay the loan, we can do that. And so this is kind of the Elon Musk story is, hey, Elon, your net worth is bazillions, and people are saying you should pay your fair share. And it's saying, but you have to sell it, right? Mm -hmm. Because... Tesla isn't like we just showed Tesla's not even profitable until like the most recent year, right? It yeah, was, it makes lots of revenue, but it His doesn't make profit. Bitcoin investment ended up, I think, paying off big time. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was the majority of the revenue for the company. It wasn't the car sales; it was his Bitcoin. The Bitcoin uh, increase. Yeah, and so consider what that means. And you're saying, well. He needs to pay tax on it and go, then you're where's gonna it going to come from? He has to sell the stock mm -hmm. and other wealthy people would have to sell it, too. And if your answer is like, well, who cares? Well, you're taking the company that everybody loves because it's Elon Musk running it and saying he can't own it anymore. Eventually, Elon gets diluted out of his own company that he started. Yep. And now he's not even in charge of it. So the stock changes. It's less valuable and it must just corrects the whole system. So you can actually see the Tesla stock collapse in value if he gets squeezed and then out of your it. money, your investment is gone. Right. And that's it. it. It would affect pensions, everything. So it's just not that simple, gang. So I do not believe in attacks on unrealized gains. Yeah, it's preposterous. Anyway, we are out of time for today. Sorry no. we ran so long. That's it. We got to run. Uh, if you want more information, give our office a call at 541-375-0898. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.